Hello and welcome to Timeless Truths, a sermon podcast from St. Mark Ministries in Greater Green Bay, Wisconsin. This week we have a special Vision Weekend sermon. In episode 23, let's join Pastor John Parlow as we ask the question, where do we go from here? So open up your heart, open up your Bible, and let's dig in to these Timeless Truths. Welcome to St. Mark, this new year of grace, 2024. It's great to have you join us today. On a weekend we call the Vision Weekend, as we talk about what we'd like to do in Jesus' name, God willing, this new year, and of course as partners, you're vital to making that happen by God's grace and power. So it's great to have you here. I read... I read the interview of of the woman who is the head of the largest speakers bureau in the world. And the person interviewing her asked the question, what is the key characteristic that makes someone an effective speaker? And I thought maybe, I don't know, intelligence or eloquence or charisma or something like that. It was none of those. Rather, the woman answered the single primary characteristic that makes someone an effective speaker is passion. Is the person passionate about the subject matter? Does it really matter deeply? Is the person just captivated by it? Because then that passion leaks out. Just think back in your own life to a teacher who really inspired you. Maybe she wasn't the smartest teacher or the most polished, but... She was gripped by the importance of the subject she was teaching you. And that passion has impacted you to this day. To not inspire is a speaker's greatest dread. John Ortberg, a famous speaker, pastor, famous author, talks about when he first became a pastor and he was preaching a sermon. Really worked hard on it for a long time. And... uh, He's about, about 10 minutes into a sermon, and in the first couple rows, there's someone who is sound asleep already. <laughs> and his heart just drops. And so after the service, on the way home in the car with his wife, he looked at her and said, You know, honey, I saw you. <laughs> and then he said this, You should try to get more sleep the night before. <laughs> Not a lot of self-awareness as a pastor at that point, Okay. There is just something in us as human beings where we want to react to inspiration. There's an unread sign that all of us carry around, and it says something like this. Inspire me. Remind me that my life matters. Call me to be my best self. Appeal to whatever in me is most notable and honorable. Don't let me go down the path of least resistance. Challenge me to make my life about something more than the acquisition of money or success. As Christians, we have the most inspiring message to share with people. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And who are you going to inspire this new year of grace, 2024? And how are you going to do that? That's some of the questions we're going to answer in this message. Before I talk about two things that we're all going to want to do this new year. Let's talk about mission. So often in church world, when you hear the word mission, a lot of people conjure up this idea of going overseas for the cause of Christ, hence the term missionary. But if you think missions is only that, 
then you have a very dull sense of urgency to share the gospel with people who live within a nine-iron golf shot of your front yard, and some of you aren't very good at golf, which means they're across the street. See, being a missionary means that we are people who are to reach out to other people. As one person said, when the church is at its best, mission is not something we do, it is something we are. Now, if you're a Jesus follower listening to me, the reason you're still listening to me and not transferred to the kingdom triumphant is because God has more for you to do on your mission. And he summed up the mission this way. In Matthew chapter 28, we call it the Great Commission. Therefore, go, or literally having gone or going about your life, here's the command. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We are called as Christians to make more followers of Jesus of all people. No age limitations. Doesn't matter what ethnicity, uh, social standing, background. And we're to do that using God's, uh, using God's word in this form and also in the form of the sacraments like baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now that means you and I are on a mission and we are missionaries. If you're a believer, you're a missionary. But that, that word mission is kind of a loaded word, and so let's kind of unpack that. To be a missionary this new year, first of all, that means that you clearly understand the language of our culture so that you can communicate God's word in the language of our culture. That is one of the key foci of our a Dare to Lead conference that St. Mark Ministries, once again, is going to be hosting at the KI Center in downtown Green Bay, Wisconsin, April 12th and 13th, that's a Friday and Saturday, and you're certainly welcome to attend. In fact, we have a special rate for St. Mark partners. People from all over our state, all over our country are coming to better equip local churches to go ahead and know who Jesus is and share Jesus with the masses. That's of great importance. You can check more out online. Second thing as missionaries we need to do is make sure that we are so, I would say, so sensitized to our culture that we know how to best work in it. Certainly that does not mean that we capitulate, that we buy everything that our culture is selling. No, that's not what we're going to do. But it means we understand the culture in which we live now. And we're always asking the key question, which is the key question at St. Mark Ministries. And it's this. What's the best way to? I don't care what you want to do. And I don't care what I want to do. And I don't care what we did when we were younger. Maybe that works today. Maybe it doesn't. The better question is, what's the best way to? Let's not boldly lead people into the 1950s. Because it's not the 1950s. And it's not the 1980s. Some of you are stuck in the 1980s. And it's, it's not the 2010s anymore. Life has changed a great deal. So has culture since then. So let's make sure we know where we are. So how can we be those kind of missionaries? How can we do that? Well, first of all, we have to carefully listen to people, especially those who maybe have no memory of the gospel. They're far from Jesus right now. The trouble sometimes is our, uh, our default when sharing Jesus with people or sharing God's word with people, especially if you're from a Lutheran background where, you were, where your Lutheranism was born out of apologetics, arguing and debating, is to, hey, I'm going to share the truth with you, 
And I'm going to tell you at the same time how bad and wrong you are. Not a good strategy. Rather, what you want to do is realize you're not trying to win an argument. You're trying to love people in Jesus' name. And there are all kinds of people. They're starting from all different starting places. Let me tell you about some of the things they've said through the years. Here, I'll quote some. One, I don't consider myself a pagan. Not sure I like unchurched or irreligious either. Although it's a step up. Ideally, how about John or Mark or Sandra? In other words, my name. Here's another one. I honestly don't mind it when you invite me to your church or talk to me about God. Just keep it, I don't know, natural. Like when we talk about sports and movies. I hate feeling like a project. Let's keep it a conversation between friends and as friends. I can do that. Or, I'd like to belong before I believe. What I mean is that I'd like to experience this a bit before signing up. Is that legal? I hope so. I think it would be helpful if I could just test the waters first. In other words, they probably want to serve in some capacity before they become a partner. How about this one? There's a lot I don't know, and I know it. Don't make me feel stupid about it, like not knowing much about the Bible, Jesus, or whatever. If you could start at the beginning and explain it all to me, that would be great. Like starting with Genesis and moving forward. Finally, this one. Can we agree that there's a lot of weird stuff attached to Christianity and the Bible? Okay, it may be real, it may be true, it may or whatever, but can we just agree that some of it is a bit bizarre? For some strange reason, it would make me feel better to hear you acknowledge how it looks and sounds to someone from the outside. Listening first is important. It enables you to better help the person you're speaking to in Jesus' name, right? It also helps us remove stumbling blocks in front of the gospel. Second thing we want to do as as missionaries is we want to make sure that um, our message is crystal clear. The Apostle John reported it this way. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, full of or who came to, from the Father, notice this, full of grace and truth. Our message needs to be one of grace and truth. As 21st century missionaries in 2024, it's got to be grace and truth. Here's why. If you just give people grace, but no truth, you give them a license to sin. Oh, I can't tell you that anything you're doing is wrong. If you give people grace, but no truth, then you do away with that troublesome three-letter word, sin. You see, if there is no objective standard of morality, if there's no ultimate right or wrong, then people can do anything they want, and they can believe in anything they want, and you can never tell them they're morally wrong. Right now, in the news, you got the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing with the list of people that visited his vile island. But you cannot say that's morally wrong. You can't. What he did, and others allegedly did. You can't say it's morally wrong if you have grace but no truth. You could say it's illegal. You could say I wish it never happened. But you cannot say it's morally wrong 
if you say there's grace but no truth. In fact, if you believe there's grace and no truth, let's go further. Then you can, people can live any lifestyle they want and have any perspective they want. That happens in church world. There's a group called the Unitarian Universalist Church. They believe in everyone and everything, which means they believe in nothing. We have a word for that in our culture right now. Tolerance. Tolerance really is disobeying, not that kind of tolerance, the first commandment. Remember what God said? You shall have no other gods. See, when you have grace but no truth, you instantly make yourself your own little God and you determine what is true and you're going to apply it to everyone and judge everyone by it who doesn't affirm your lifestyle or what you believe and you're especially going to blow them up on social media and in politics because after all, they didn't measure up to your divine standard. And that belief, that tolerance, is a damning belief. On the other hand, if you just have truth but no grace, all you're going to do is be condemning people and be very judgmental. Unfortunately, that is kind of the way that, uh, uh, that's the normal way that the majority of people who consider themselves irreligious view Christians today. They're called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, because when you ask them what religion they are, they always check none. They're the fastest growing, quote, religion or spiritual group in America today. When, you see, when people aren't able to go ahead and know about Jesus' forgiveness that he's won for them on the cross, they have a tendency to give up, especially at the end. They feel that they're worthless, that they're damaged goods beyond repair. And what they do then is they cut themselves off from the most inspiring message, the, the message that changes their here and now and the hereafter as well. And that's just tragic. Now certainly, God can use anybody. I am living proof of that, and maybe you are as well. In fact, God is in the habit of using people that most people wouldn't even want to call friends at first. Philip Yancey writes about this. In one of his books, he says this. I have come to know a God who has a soft spot for rebels, who recruits people like the adulterer David, the whiner Jeremiah, the traitor Peter, and the human rights abuser Saul of Tarsus. I have come to know a God whose son made prodigals of the heroes of his stories and the trophies of his ministry. I've never been surprised by God's judgment and justice, but I've been stunned again and again by his grace. I mean, God's justice and judgment, it just makes a lot of sense to me. It's easy for me to understand and accept. You know, lightning bolts down in Sodom and Gomorrah or um, raining down fire from heaven on the prophets of Baal. Way to go, God. Way to go. I've never had a hard time swallowing God's judgment and justice. It's logical. But his grace, I still don't get it. You got Peter. Peter denies Jesus openly and publicly and vehemently three times. And then later on, by God's grace, he becomes one of the greatest spokesmen for Jesus who ever lived. Imagine that. The thief on the cross. One minute is hell-bound and hanging out to die. And the next minute, he's heaven-bound and smiling. 
God certainly gives us a lot more grace than we probably give other people as well. Wouldn't you agree? The message of God's grace and truth is the most inspiring message that you can give, and it's all embodied in Jesus. Love has been compacted in this entire world into the lone figure on the cross, who said he could have called down a legion of angels to rescue him, but he didn't, because he had you in mind, and he had me in mind. And see, that message is the embodiment of grace and truth. It's the message that inspires people. It's the message that changes people. It's the message that is desperately needed in our culture, and most people aren't hearing it, and that's why I'm talking to you. People desperately need to hear that message. And it's because of that message, grace and truth, that the mantra here at St. Mark Ministries this new year will continue to be, you matter and you are loved. Now with that in mind, speaking just to the St. Mark partners who are listening, we call you partners in ministry for a reason, so I have three challenges for you this new year. First of all, we'd like to increase our in-person worship attendance at our De Pere campus and our Green Bay campus. All of you know at least three people, probably a lot more than that, who if you invited them, they would join you at a worship service where they'd hear about Jesus, maybe for the first time. Statistics tell us about 70% of people say, yeah, I'd come if someone would just invite me. You're really good at bringing your one. I'd like you to continue to be even better at that. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's your first challenge. This next year, you got 12 months, okay, 12 months. I want you each, or as a family, to go ahead and invite 10 different people to join you at a worship service this year. 10 different people. Now, what's the worst thing they can say? No. Go to the next one. Ten different people. What an impact it would make here. Just not in the number of people here it's serving, but the number of people who know Jesus, which is most important. Ten different people. That is not hard. Not hard. Second thing, second goal we have as a congregation and as staff is we'd like more people this new year to call St. Mark their church home. The George Barna Institute indicates that about 38 to 40% of all Americans right now are unchurched or dechurched. Christmas and Easter do not count. And so, you probably know some people who maybe be looking for a church home or be open to it. After all, someone brought you to one. And so here's the other goal, another goal. This new year, you got 12 months, I want you to bring one person with you and attend our starting point course, which is the course that's held uh, the third Saturday of every month here at the De Pere campus, uh, four hours. It's really the first and major step for partnership here at St. Mark. Even if you've gone through it before and your friend hasn't, it's good review for you. I'm asking just one person. You bring one person with you. Maybe that person's related. Maybe that person's a coworker or a classmate. You bring one person. So you've got 10 people you're inviting to worship, different people, one person you're taking with you to starting point. One more. With all of those new people on our campuses that you're bringing as missionaries, we're going to need more people in service. Social scientists tell us that when someone visits the church as a guest, they form their opinion of that church within the first eight seconds of entering the door. Eight seconds. 
That means our guest services team members. That means our, our grounds crew. That means the people doing children's ministries are very important. And so we need more of them. And here's my challenge for you. I want you to dedicate one hour, one service a month to serving people in one of those programs, the children's ministries or maybe guest services. We need you. A lot of you, a lot of the parents, you benefit from Children's Church. It's a wonderful program. We want to expand it to 1030. If you're using it, why don't you really understand the joy and experience the joy of serving other people, even people who aren't here yet, and, and sharing with their children the joy of Jesus? There's nothing greater than that experience. Yes, it's great for you to use, but it's also better for you to be part of as you serve other people with that ministry. And so I'm asking you, one time a month, one service a month. If you do it as a family, it's a wonderful example for your kids. It, go, it flows through generations like a ripple effect. So we've got 10, 1, 1. The message of Jesus Christ is the most inspiring message in the world because Jesus is the most inspiring person who ever lived. Just think about this. Although Jesus never had a place to lay his head, he is the primary impact in the world's history on architecture. Think of St. Think of St. Peter's Basilica or the Sistine Chapel. We don't know what Jesus looked like, humanly speaking, and yet he's the most recognizable figure in the history of the world. Isaiah, speaking of how Jesus looked on this earth, said these words. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was just a normal-looking guy. Yet he became the subject of paintings and art and sculpture more times than any person on, in the history of the world. Although Jesus never wrote a book, humanly speaking, he is the theme of more books and articles and speeches than any person who ever walked on this earth. Although Jesus was never a singer or a musician, more hymns and songs are written about him than any other in the world. I mean, can you imagine the world without the Hallelujah Chorus? He died alone. People die for him still. So as St. Mark partners and missionaries for Jesus, remember to share grace and truth. In this tw as 21st century missionaries and partners at St. Mark, always focus on Jesus and his message and use it as you challenge people, as you alarm people, as you inspire people that you do life with. Ten, one, one. 2024 is going to be an inspiring year for you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Timeless Truths. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we're glad you could join us. For more information or to support the work of St. Mark Ministries, check out our website at stmarkministries.com. And be sure to tune in next week as we kick off a brand new series, Looking Back to Have a Better Future. And remember, you matter and you are loved.